Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Thanks for joining us for another Ben Jarofsky Show, brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of pots they keep in the dispensaries in the city. And also, stories from your very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. All you want to do is support the show. You've already got your phone out. I know you're listening. This is how it works. All you have to do, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. Here's Ben. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA man in Red Friday, and here's why. Uh, well, first of all, before I explain why we're calling it MAGA man in Red Friday, I want to do a pitch. As long as I got your interest, I'm like, what's he talking, MAGA man in Red Friday? Before I do that, just want to let you know that non-MAGA man in Red, me, uh, and uh, my partner in crime, Maya Dukmasovo, are returning to the hideout. Tuesday, October 4th, first Tuesday, Tuesday, October 4th, uh, we'll be discussing the Safety Act. Robert Peters, uh, State Senator Robert Peters will be our guest. April April Prayer will be our guest, the uh, great criminal defense lawyer. We'll be talking about the Safety Act. Uh, And Peters, Robert Peters, who's been on this show, uh, is the gentleman who sent the cameo to Rob Blagojevich and got Rob Blagojevich to end up doing a pitch for the Safety Act. And sending it the pitch to uh, Darren Bailey, uh, Dare Bear. It's a pretty funny bit. Uh, I got to give Robert Peters credit. So I'm going to have the script. Maybe Robert Peters will do a dramatic recitation of his script uh, that he wrote uh, for Rob Bogoyevich. So anyway, Tuesday, October 4th, 6 o'clock, we'll be talking Safety Act, April Prayer, and uh, Robert Peters. All right. Now back to uh, MAGA Man in Red. Uh, and uh, I'm going to ask producer Chris uh, to uh, play the bit itself. But before I do, I got to do the setup. So it'll have uh, some meaning. If you haven't seen this one already, uh, I saw it. A shout out D.L. Hewley, the great comedian D.L. Hewley, uh, whose Instagram feed is absolutely a must, in my humble opinion, uh, for political junkies out there. Everybody thinks D.L. Hughes is funny. comedian. is a funny comedian, but his Instagram uh, account is mostly political and it's constantly being updated. He's got all these interesting bits that he puts up there. Uh, and I'm constantly sending the friends on Instagram. Did you see this one? Did you see this one? Uh, and the one that he posted today or uh, that I saw today. I don't know when he actually posted it. Uh, But the one I saw today was a video bit of a MAGA man. Uh, And I know he's a MAGA man because he's standing in line to see Donald Trump uh, give his speech in Ohio. And he's all in red. He's like MAGA red. And he's got a hat on. It's not a MAGA hat. It looks like it's a Ron DeSantis hat. It's hard to get a glimpse of the hat from the way the man um, is uh, standing. But uh, so he's 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 a MAGA man, a Trump supporter in line to see Trump. And there's behind him. There's another Trump supporter uh, who has a Trump T-shirt on. Okay, so we know where he stands on this. They're waiting in line one more time to see Trump and across the street from them. You can't see them the way the 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 image is shot, the way the video is shot. So you can't see them. But there's a group you could tell by his reaction. There's a group of openly white supremacists. And I don't know what they're doing. I think they're passing out literature. It's pretty obvious they're passing out literature uh, because the MAGA man uh, saying, is saying don't take their literature. So the setup is this. The MAGA man in red is reacting to the white supremacists he sees across the street. All right, Chris, play the bit. And I would love to put you on a f-ing news to make us look like shit. And if the cops wasn't here, I would fight every f-ing one of you right now. Every f-ing one of you. 
believe me, I would. I don't care if I got my ass whooped. I would knock the fuck out of one of y'all. I swear to God, I would. Don't take it. They're racist. They're, they're white racist. Supremacist. They're white. They're racist. Not kill them. They're white. They're white. All right. Uh, so what they're saying there is don't take it. They're racist. Don't take their literature. They're white supremacist. Uh, they go on to say things like if you take it, the only good thing is to use it as toilet paper. Uh, it's a fiery. Unambiguous denunciation of white supremacist and white supremacy. Delivered by two, mainly one MAGA men in line to see Donald Trump, one of them wearing a Trump T-shirt and the other one wearing what looks to be a Ron DeSantis hat. I can't tell for certain. Folks, this blew my mind. When I saw I mean, I, I'm telling you, I sent this to so many different people and I had like two distinct reactions uh, to it. One is just absolute appreciation unadulterated appreciation for the passion of this MAGA man for his rage and it's rage. He is really angry. He folks, he's just freaking mad. He's denouncing to their face, the white supremacists. I, I really had a strong appreciation for that because I feel like we are really at a crisis state in our country right now. I do believe that there's an effort to do away with democracy. It's obvious there's an effort to do away with democracy and set things up so that MAGA will always win, generally by throwing away the votes of black people. That's how they were going to win in uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia. I cannot say this enough. This is what we're facing, ladies and gentlemen. So I take very seriously the threat that we're facing. And so much of the MAGA message down since Donald Trump announced he was running back in 2015 has been hate of other. And generally, the other people who are black, black Americans. But a lot of the hate is for people uh, who come to this country, immigrants who come to this country from the south. Brown people, as they say. And there's also hate of Asians because of China. China's the big threat. So it's all, it's just this hate. And we know it's there. To pretend that it's not there, it's like to pr pretend that the sun is not in the sky. Is to pretend that something that is very real and right in our face does not exist. And so this dude... This MAGA man and his cohort are openly denouncing the white supremacists who sort of make up the sort of the foundation of MAGA. I really appreciate that, ladies and gentlemen. I got to tell you, I was like, yes. You know, if a lefty did it, they would write him off as a radical leftist. You know, oh, Antifa. <laughs> By the way, Antifa is like anti-fascists. I just think about that, ladies and gentlemen, just for a moment. You know, I know we're all supposed to hate on Antifa, but it's anti-fascist. So if you're like, if you're anti-fascist, that means you're hating on Antifa. You're kind of like pro-fascist, just saying. So if it was a lefty, if it was producer Chris or me or Dr. D or Nate or anybody connected with the Ben Gerard, Monroe Anderson, if it was any of us. Listener Frank, Jim Coogan, Ramana Hussein. Just think of the regulars on the Ben Jarofsky show. If it was any of us that would write us off, radical leftists, don't listen to them. But this is MAGA man. I'm like, I'm loving this guy. I'm sending this to all, all my friends, my daughters. You know, send it to uh, uh, Henry, Henry Davis, South Bend. He goes, I already saw it. <laughs> I like the dude. But here's the reality. Here's the other feeling I have. It's like while he's saying this, and he's saying, he goes, you're giving us a bad image. CNN, he says, will put you on their TV show 
to make it look like we're racist and white supremacists and not patriots. That's what he says. So he's mad at them for making them look bad. And I'm like, dude, have you ever listened to the man you're standing in line to see? Have you ever listened to the message preached by Trump over the last five years, starting with the whole bit about Mexicans coming across the border and they're all rapists? Yeah. Have you ever thought about the white supremacist roots that lie at the heart of your movement? I mean, it's not a coincidence that white supremacists show up at MAGA rallies passing out literature because that's probably where they'll have their greatest support. I mean, they're not going to show up at a Bernie Sanders rally unless they want to end up in fisticuffs, embarrass the Bernie Sanders people by getting, like, inciting them to riot or something. They show up at Trump rallies because that's where they think they'll have the support. They show up at Trump rallies because Donald Trump at the presidential debate essentially acknowledged them as his allies because Donald Trump on January 6th called on them to overtake the Capitol. I mean, there's a reason they show up at Trump rallies. They feel a kinship with Donald Trump and his movement. So it's like, what a freaking mixed message this dude is sending. Like, blew my mind. Here's my brain today. And I, what Henry Davis said, and it's absolutely true, it just goes to show you that not all people in MAGA are, quote, unquote, bad people. It's like, they're good people there, too. That's what Henry Davis was saying. And I'm like, the fire with which this man attacked the white supremacists and called them garbage and said he wished he could fight them. And he knows they would win the fight probably because there's more of them, but it's a couple that would go down anyway. I mean, that fire, that passion. And yet you're supporting. <laughs> think about what you th- think you're wearing a DeSantis hat. But even if you're not wearing a DeSantis hat, just think about what Ron DeSantis did for a cause, like to take advantage of hatred of people who look different than you. Ron DeSantis is the is the governor of Florida, the MAGA man who's the governor of Florida and wants to run for president. I cannot accentuate this enough. The governor of Texas, another MAGA man, Gregory Abbott, is making headlines with this stunt where you take folks who have come across the border and are appealing to stay in the United States. They want to be uh, citizens of the United States. And they're right now waiting They're waiting for that whole long process, okay? He takes those people, Gregory Abbott, puts them on buses, sends them to blue cities. It's like, here, you love these people so much, you take them, ha, ha, ha. Like using these people as props in his little gotcha escapade with, uh, with liberals. DeSantis is jealous because Abbott's getting a lot of attention on Fox TV. So what does DeSantis do? Well, he's in Florida. He's got a problem. There's no border. There's no people crossing to get into Florida. So what he does is he sends somebody down to Texas to recruit immigrants to get on an airplane with the promise of jobs, fly them to Florida, stop in Florida, and then take off from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. Why? Because he wants everybody to know that these immigrants came from Florida. You had to move them to Florida from Texas. They didn't they weren't even in Florida. They're not a quote unquote problem to Florida. And then here's the part that the kicker. Right after he did that, Ron DeSantis flew to Wisconsin, to Green Bay, Wisconsin, to address a group of MAGA supporters in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and brag about how he flew a bunch of immigrants from Texas to Florida, to Martha, Martha's Vineyard, to stick it to liberals. I'm like, hey, people in Wisconsin, what do you care? You're in Wisconsin. You're like on the other side of the country from Texas. You're so far removed from Texas, it would take an immigrant, I don't know, two days to get there by bus? You're closer to Canada than you are to Mexico. Why aren't you afraid of... Immigrants from Canada wonder why. 
And so my new friend in MAGA, my new friend in red, waiting in line for the Trump rally, which what I think is a Ron DeSantis hat, but it might not be. Don't you see the contradiction between your movement's leaders who are exploiting fears of people who look different? Fear, the fears that white people have for people who look different? Don't you see that that's what they're doing? Now do you understand why white supremacists show up at MAGA rallies? So it's kind of split there, man. I'm a little schizo with this guy. But I'll close on a positive note. Gotta love the passion, my man. Gotta love the passion. All right, it's time for another Oh, What a Week It Is. I had to get that off my chest. I'm going to turn things over to producer Chris, who's sitting in for Dr. D again on paternity leave. Take it away, Chris. Thank you, Benjamin. Appreciate you uh, you filling us in on on the whole DeSantis hat because I didn't see that. I watched the video and it looked I mean, it looks like a generic like one of those American flag colors. So I'm going to go back and watch after this. Just to be clear, I'm not 100 percent. I'm trying. I try to broaden it a little bit but yeah. it looks like it says DeSantis yeah. uh, on the hat but it's, a, it's an uh, Instagram it's an Instagram video so it's a little bit distorted so it's kind of hard to see but I understand what you're saying I'll go back and check it out later as well oh what a week it's been in the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois there's so much going on we talked about some of these stories last week and they're kind of continuing and carrying over to this week so the first one I want to cover this week Ben last week we talked about the CEO of McDonald's he basically labeled Chicago a city in crisis we're in crisis, Ben. Things couldn't get any worse in, in one of the greatest cities in the entire country. But he said that large companies are fleeing, so that's why. Well, this week, Chicago's very own. Actually, do you? I, asked, I think I asked you this before. Do you listen to Drake, the musician? Uh, no, I know who Drake is. You know who Drake uh, is. I must okay, concede. Good. Yes, so that's a huge uh, plus for this old man. It is, two uh, points. But I mu- I must concede, um, I don't. I do not listen to Drake. Okay. I feel embarrassed about that because my daughter and all our friends love Drake. But a, no, I. Uh, but I know his his uh, nickname is Drizzle, right? Well, that's that's one of his nicknames. He's got a lot of nicknames. His other nickname is October's very own. I'm assuming his birthday is in October. I know he drops albums in October. But speaking of October's very own, Lori Lightfoot is Chicago's very own. She's she's our mayor. She's not only our mayor. She's kind of like our Mike Tyson. When somebody comes after the city. She just comes out of that corner, and she is just ready to go. And it doesn't matter if you're a CEO, doesn't matter if you're a governor, doesn't matter if you're the president, Lori's coming after you. And she told the CEO of McDonald's he should educate himself before speaking. Ben, did you check the story out in the Tribune uh, from, from Greg Pratt? Yeah, well, shout out to Gregory Pratt uh, in the Tribune. I did uh, check it out in the Tribune. A lot of thoughts on it. Uh, so let me just uh, take it from here. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, the greatest. Uh, I think Lori Lightfoot is uh, happiest when she is uh, throwing the counter punches, uh, and much like uh, a great boxer. And um, one time she compared herself to Barney Ross. I think Barney Ross was a boxer that I'm probably the only man in America who remembers he fought in the 30s. I'm like, where did you come up with Barney Ross? <laughs> but she did liken herself to a boxer. So Mike Tyson's a whole different ball game. I'm not quite sure she'll ever liken herself to uh, Iron Mike Tyson. Um, but I will say this. Uh, Lori Lightfoot loves uh, to be in fights with people. I think uh, she has a sense of herself uh, as someone like when, who is in, when she is engaged in a fight will be appreciated by the people of Chicago. And she has a very good point there. Uh, people in the city of Chicago, and this for better, for worse, and I could argue for worse, love to do a counterpunch. They love to, if someone strikes them, they strike them back. And sometimes they strike them without being struck. And it's a whole macho thing in Chicago, which Lori Lightfoot is like, oh, kind of embraces. You know what I'm saying? You, she will fight you. She will hit you. She will uh, counterpunch when you strike first or she'll leave. And then she's proud of it. Just like Rom was the same way. Mayor Daly was the same way. Uh, and they just love to punch back. And their notion, I think that's just who they are pers- uh, anyway, but their notion politically is that it will be appreciated by the people of the city of Chicago because the people in the city of Chicago are tough and they punch back. And so they want their mayor to be the same. They don't want their mayor to be a hippy-dippy love, peace and love guy. 
they don't want their mayor to be someone who who uh, preaches tolerance and listening calmly. <laughs> they want a mayor who punches back, take no prisoners. So the gentleman from uh, McDonald's, uh, as you pointed out, gave this speech, which I talked about last week. I had some many issues uh, with the speech that he gave and particularly coming from the CEO of McDonald's. But I will concede this point. Chicago does, as he pointed out, have a problem with crime. I mean, duh, Chicago has a problem with crime. Now, the way he positioned it, the problem was that it was somehow or other keeping McDonald's from uh, bringing really talented people uh, to Chicago to work for McDonald's. And as Chris pointed out, I got to give Chris credit for this. If I steal an idea from Chris, I got to give him credit. So it's not really theft. It's appropriation. Hey, you got plenty of uh, McDonald's employees right here in Chicago right now. And a lot of them are really smart. And a lot of them could probably be trained to leave the restaurant and move up the ranks. Just saying. It's not like you have to bring someone in from San Diego. It's not like you have to bring someone in, you know, from Louisiana. I'm just making up locations where you would might want to bring them in. You know, from New York, from Westchester County. You know, you could just bring them in from Chicago. I, see, when corporate when corporate heads in the city of Chicago talk about like the injustices in our city, the crime in our city, well, they never talk about the injustices, but when they, let's say, say they talk about the crime in our city and it's like, this is really bad. It's bad for business. We may have to leave. It's kind of a weird way to talk about it. And I know it's like how people talk, but just think about it. It's like crime and, City of Chicago is like a serious problem more than your bottom line, more than your ability to recruit some whiz kid from Stanford or Duke or wherever you want to recruit Harvard. Yeah. I don't care where you're recruiting from. It's like a real substantive problem that affects people in the city of Chicago. So it's like concentrating on like crime in Chicago is the reason Boeing left or Citadel left, which is what he said. It was ridiculous. The dude, the head of Citadel, Kenny G, Ken Griffin, left. This, he had his own reasons for leaving the city of Chicago. Guarantee you, no matter what he said, crime was not it. There's been crime in the city of Chicago, as I said. All those years, you guys were kissing Mayor Daly's behind. Never once heard you said that was a reason why you, weren't, you would leave Chicago. So it was our great mayor. So I understand. He, I had issues with what he said. But here comes Lori Lightfoot. Bam! How dare you? <laughs> you know, how dare you criticize our city? You have to face the facts. It's not so bad. So it's like, what? We have this defensiveness in Chicago automatically. I mean, but I do understand her anger that if she feels as though in some ways uh, he's exploiting the crime uh, or exaggerating the crime, but she, she won't even come out and say something like, well, Citadel left because Ken Griffin, what, got a better deal in Florida or threw a hissy fit because his candidate, Richard Irvin, didn't win the Republican nomination for governor or got tired of losing to Pritzker. Looks like Pritzker will win again. You know, you know, she doesn't ever say it like that because you're not allowed to criticize these corporate citizens, like they give some money f f uh, to foundations and philanthropies. So suddenly you have to be nice to them. You know, you kind of like to praise them. So this is like this dance game you do. You know, it's OK to get in a fight with some lefty alderman if you're the mayor. But eh, you don't want to get in a fight with a mega gazillionaire, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so she came back uh, and she defended Chicago. And I, and I got to tell you this, Chris. This comes the same week as the city council vote on the Chicago fire practice facility. I'm just going to tie the two together. So the Chicago fire, the professional soccer team in the city of Chicago uh, wants a soccer facility uh, for a practice field. And they cut a deal with the CHA and the CHA is going to lease them some land that used to be uh, the site of low income housing. 
uh, and it's been vacant since the city of Chicago and Mayor Daley in the 90s tore down the housing and moved the people out. And they promised the people, oh, don't worry. This is all about getting you better housing. You can come back. As soon uh, as we tear down this property, we're going to build low-income housing for you right here where you were. You can come back. Well, guess what? They're not being invited back. This was never about clearing the land for bad housing to build new housing. It was always about just clearing the poor people out. And now to make sure they don't come back, the city is going to lease the land uh, to the Chicago Fire, uh, Joe Monsueto's team, and he's another billionaire. Uh, give them a, uh, rights to the land to build their facility. Now, that passed overwhelming in the city council. First, the mayor kind of stumbled out of the blocks. She didn't have her votes, uh, her alderman up there uh, ready to vote for in a, in a uh, zoning committee meeting. So they had to bring it right back immediately uh, to approve it. My point is, CEOs have always been taken care of in the city of Chicago. Corporate Chicago, mayors come, mayors co, will always be taken care of by the mayor of the city of Chicago. So when she has to, the mayor will be like a mini Mike Tyson and throw a punch, Chris, at a CEO. But more often than not, it's not a punch she's throwing, it's a handout she's giving. Well, in this case, he is has to lease the land, so it's not really a handout, but it's a pretty generous deal. I mean, that's prime land right now. That's the other thing, man. You move the poor people out, all of a sudden it goes from a poor neighborhood to a prime real estate location. And then the funny thing is, in the 90s, they were saying, oh, we're doing it for the poor people. <laughs> I don't know. You know, in retrospect, I don't think you're doing it for the poor people. I think you're doing it for the rich people. So anyway, uh, yes, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, can punch, can counterpunch with the best of them. But, you know, I got to think this is kind of a convenient target, much like her fights with Trump, MAGA, and, uh, and the head of the Chicago Fraternal Order Police. But she gets into fights like this, Chris. I think it helps her politically. So I'm sure she's only too happy to get into a bit of a war words with the CEO of McDonald's. I'm going to just tag in with one more of my own thoughts on that McDonald's thing, just because you had mentioned it. I understand that McDonald's is big business. You're talking millions, billions of burgers, right? But it's hamburgers. Okay, this isn't professional baseball. We don't need to source the greatest talent to sell more fries. I just don't feel like that's an industry where we can't find people in Chicago that are fully equipped, whether or not we're bringing people up from McDonald's or we're taking college kids out of colleges in this city that are fully capable of doing the jobs and have lived here. So they're not afraid that they can't make. I don't know. I, I'm with you 100 percent on this one. I, I, I you said it last week in passing, and I completely agree with you. If corporate Chicago feels that they can't recruit whiz kids from the top universities in the country to the city, if that's what they're looking for, I urge them to look at the people who are already here. And I'm with you 100%. There's a lot of people in the city of Chicago with the proper training could go into a corporate management position at uh, McDonald's and work their way up. I have no doubt about it. And there are probably a lot of motivated people who work at McDonald's right now. But see, who could do that? But there's such a disconnect. There's such a class divide in our country. I've seen this my whole life, Chris. Such a class divide. So uh, the head of a CEO will look someone, look at someone at, who's working at the restaurant and never think in a million years that that person would have the potential to work his way up the corporate ladder. Instead, I got to get the best and the brightest from Harvard. I got to get the best and the brightest from Stanford, Northwestern, whatever. And I have to recruit him to Chicago. I remember when Mayor Rahm went to Stanford, uh, it was, I think it was Stanford. He was talking to the business class. He was trying to entice them to come. Oh, Chicago's a great city. Oh, Chicago. Yeah, I know you've heard about crime, but it's only in a handful of neighborhoods. It won't affect you. And, and it's uh, the cost of living is much less. Come to Chicago, work in our tech scene. I'm like, why aren't you trying to connect the tech gurus of Chicago with people in Chicago who need jobs? 
Well, it's let's actually warm. fix problems. No, that's too obvious, Ben. Quit doing that. Okay. Back to, uh, oh, what a week. One more story that we're going to hit before we got our guest coming up here shortly. I, I know you saw this story, Ben, because it's in your beloved Bright One Chicago Sun-Times story reads, Family of violence victims used in GOP campaign ads call on Darren Bailey to stop commercials. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of my background on this, just because people who know me probably only know me as, oh, he worked at that liberal radio station. You were Dick Kay's producer. You're probably just a bleeding heart pinko. Well, little may you know, I actually started working in radio at a conservative talk radio station in St. Louis. So I sat in a closet for eight hours, 10 hours a day, listening to conservative rhetoric and and thoughts and ideas and, and good points and bad points. And I saw a lot of hate baiting. And this is what I feel like these commercials are doing. They're, they're basically trying to pull the people that are full of hate in their heart out from under a rock and think that it's okay in 2022, coming up on 2023, to use people's pain for your own benefit. So in this story, the main culprit is Dan Proft. So Dan Proft runs a, a political action committee that's been sponsoring these advertisements. And Ben, I'll let you take it away from here. You can probably explain it a lot better than I can. I have a lot to say about this on many fronts, but I just want to say this about Chris. When I first met him, I don't know if you remember this, uh, he was working at CPT. I said the name. Wow, what a, what a moment I said the name. Uh, and uh, as was I, uh, which is more or less the liberal uh, talk show station in the city of Chicago. Uh, and uh, so uh, Chris drove me. We drove together uh, to a function. Uh, that the station was sponsoring in the suburbs. We spent about 45 minutes uh, in, in the car going and coming. So it's about almost two hours in a car. And we did a lot of talking. That's when I got to know Chris. Uh, and that's when you explained to me, Chris, about your background in radio. I don't know if you remember this. I was a rookie. So like you and Dennis, they're much younger than me, but they knew a lot more. They know a lot more about radio than I do. Yeah. For people's reference point, this is like 2014, 15, 16, 15, something like that. No, no. 2017. 17. Was, there we, when I, we were in the car. Yeah. And so that we started talking about Rush Limbaugh. And so you were explaining to me the success of Rush Limbaugh. And how his message, how he learned to use news stories as weapons and to like fuel uh, either people's resentment or stir their fear. And he did that so successfully uh, and he had taken over completely all these all these radio stations, these AM radio stations throughout the country. So if you were like a young Chris or a young Dennis and you wanted to break into the radio game. And you had gone to school to get training to learn a radio. More often than not, you were going to have to work for some right wingers. And Chris is pretty lefty. Dennis is more like a libertarian. Chris is an out and out lefty, man. So it would like really hurt to go work for a radio station. Use your skills to like show the world what you got to produce something. And you're working (laughs) for Rush Limbaugh. But that's kind of where radio was lefties have totally dropped the ball when it comes to radio no question in my mind my little experience uh with liberal radio show me you have lost you've gave up a market you've conceded it to conservatives you've let them dominate it and there's still people mock radio they say oh it's dying they're dying yeah well it's not dead yet And there's still millions and millions of people who get their information from radio. And so you've just allowed like this broadcasting booming out right into people's brains every day. And they're good at it. Rush Limbaugh was good at it. He took the techniques of radio legends like Larry Lujak and he took them and he learned from them and he turned it into this huge microphone right into the people's brains and Danny Proft is picked up from him in many ways it's like a relay race he's passing on to Proft so Proft is like the brains behind MAGA in the state of Illinois and has been for five years he writes his he's uh, has access to a radio show so he gets to broadcast directly uh, he uh, supports campaigns he has his own pack that gets f- well funded by rich MAGA people uh, and then he uses that to send out his propaganda with um, packed commercials that are intended again, just like Rush Limbaugh. 
either make you resent people that look different than you or fear them or both to make yourself feel really good by putting other people down. That's what Dan Proft has done. He's made a fortune doing it. Good for, I mean, good for him, I guess. You know, not so good for the rest of us. So now he's embraced a Darren Bailey. And he's got this thing. This is what I love this one. What is it called? His um, his little pack. Uh, people who play by the rules pack. I, I, I love that. People who play by the rules. What rules do you play by? People. Taxes. Your leader, Donald Trump, has been ducking taxes his whole life. So you're not playing by the rules we paid. Everybody else pays taxes. Donnie Trump ducks taxes. So you're not playing by those rules. How about law and order? Your leader, Donald Trump, is accused of rape. Rape, my friends. What law and order is there? That's your guy. I'm not like that's your guy. You're the ones who line up and support him, not me. Don't blame me. He's accused of rape. Talk about it on this show all the time. He's trying to thwart the efforts of Eugene Carroll to sue him. On that, he's trying to use every legal duck and dodge he can employ to get out of facing the consequences. So I don't know what rules you're following there. How about health standards? Your guy, Darren Bailey, ran for, running for governor as Republican right now in the middle of COVID would not wear a mask. He thought it was a violation of his constitutional liberty not to have to wear a mask. His constitutionally guaranteed liberty. Not in a room with other people. This is before, you know, we had immunization. This is before we really knew a lot about COVID. If ever you had COVID, it screws you up pretty bad, particularly if you're not immunized. People dying, hospitals filled, hospital beds filled with people very sick. Nurses and doctors putting their lives on the line to treat these people who are sick. And this man goes, no, I don't think I have to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm going to violate all the rules and regulations. I'm not going to play by the rules because I don't like the rules. That's like a restaurant that would say, you know what? We don't think cockroaches and mice and rats and other vermin cause problems when you mix them with soup. So we're not going to clean up our restaurant just because you health department bureaucrats tell us we have to clean up the restaurant. We don't want to play by those rules. And yet the name of his pack is people who play by the rules. So, uh, yeah, they're relatives of victims. They call on Bailey to stop a GOP commercial showing violence. Uh, their relatives were uh, killed in street violence in the city of Chicago. And they don't want to have to see uh, those images being used in a political commercial. They don't want to have to relive that all the time. What a duck and a dodge from Darren Bailey. Uh, he said uh, his, his excuse is, well, we don't control that pack. No. Okay. That is such a duck and a dodge. That's like some lawyer language. Come on, DB. I suppose you're a man of the people who speaks truthfully and honestly, and your hands aren't soft. Own up to it. That pack is supporting you. That pack exists at the moment to get you elected. You know that. We all know that. Don't duck and dodge. So, yeah, Chris, Dan Prop's up to no good. It's making a good living out of being up to no good. I'm with those people uh, in the city of Chicago who are protesting. All right. Uh, without further uh, ado, I'm going to close down this show uh, by bringing on a guest, uh, Michael Kendo. And uh, he's standing by. Mike, can you hear me? I sure can. I'm uh, doing my best not to uh, throw some kids out the window here. Give me a second, okay? Stand by. One little detail we missed about uh, today is that there is no school. Give me one second. Okay, Mike. All right, I'm ready for you. All right. How are you doing? Uh, I was listening. Hello, Ben. Hello, Dennis. Well, it's actually Chris, but the email came from Dennis, and it oh. says Dennis. So that uh, I could see why you can make that mistake. Yeah, we did that. We we didn't do that to confuse you, but it's quite understandable that someone would uh, be confused. It's all uh, good. It's all good. Uh, but anyway, so 
before we go any further uh, into a political discussion, if we were going to have a political discussion, Mike is a, a great comedian uh, and a promoter of comedy. Uh, and I urge everybody to check out uh, his comics and his, uh, his shows that he does. But he's here specifically. Uh, we got to get some business done, if, you, if it's even called business, about a dear friend of mine, uh, actually uh, uh, the son of a very dear and old friend of mine, uh, Wilfredo Cruz and Irma Cruz. Shout out some of my oldest friends in the city of Chicago, Mike. Wow. I moved to Chicago in 1981. I met Wilfredo very shortly thereafter. Uh, and Freddie was a, a mere lad. We're here to talk about Freddie Cruz. Uh, he was just a little fella. I know it's hard to believe that Freddie was a little fella, but he yeah. was a little fella back then. And uh, Wilfredo and Irma have been my dear friends uh, ever since. Uh, and uh, so Freddie needs some help. And I just thought I would be a good, uh, I would like to lend my humble little podcast in any way I can uh, to help Freddie, uh, who I've known, like I said, since he was about seven years old. Just wow. think about that for a second, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So why don't you, uh, I'll turn it over to you and talk about why Freddie needs help and what folks could do if, if they want to help him. Take it away, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for allowing me to come on your show and using this platform for something that's super, super important. Let me start off with just who he is. Uh, he is a longtime friend of mine. We met in the Cigar Social. In fact, to this day, the reason I have annual cigar socials is because him and I started smoking cigars, two people, three people, then it turned into 30 people, then it turned into 40 people. And now we have a cigar club that's about 100 deep every time that we get together. That's how we met. Wilfredo is a Chicago police officer. He's a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He is a really, really, really great guy, a good officer. From what I understand from his friends, a good Marine and um, and uh, has served this city and this country honorably in, in many ways. And um, uh, and uh, a few years ago, uh, he was driving in his car. He felt some tingling in his feet. He immediately took himself to a hospital and it was uh, discovered that he had this illness that I believe, you know, there's a couple of different theories about it. It affects one in three million men. Nobody knows um, why it happens. The same way you get it is the same way it goes away. So there is hope for his recovery, but regrettably, he is currently confined to a wheelchair. And it's been uh, four years now. Uh, his um, status with the police department is uh, undetermined, you know, because they don't really know exactly. It's not a duty disability. It's not a disability that they can put their hands on or really uh, file in any certain order. So it's very difficult to tell what his future is going to be there. So what, 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 what is going down right now is... Uh, if, if you've ever, you know, if you know someone in a wheelchair, or if you've ever had a neighbor that was in a wheelchair, you understand that it can be very limiting, uh, especially when you've got two kids. So what we're trying to do is friends of Fredo, it's just a group of friends. Uh, some people are his childhood friends. Some are from the police department, from or some of the Marine from the Marine Corps. Some are just everyday citizens that want to help. And what we're trying to do is get this guy a wheelchair van. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that really, really quick. We're not looking for a brand new van. We'll take one. We're not looking for a van that's customized with a thousand and one whistles. We'll take one. What we're trying to do is raise enough money to either put a deposit down on one uh, or a down payment on one or buy one. Uh, I What I did was I had the family uh, go through the list of the dream scenario for a van. And it's very, very simple. They just want to be able to get their two boys around. He's got two young boys and it's very difficult trying to maneuver life in a wheelchair in a sedan, a four door everyday, you know, car. And so that's what we're trying to do here at Ben. Um, we've got this amazing event coming up on October 16th at Joe's on weed. Joe's on weed is also home of the Mikey O comedy show. I've been doing comedy shows there now for 17 plus years. I believe we're in our 20th year, but I, I forget that we lost a little bit of time there uh, pandemic wise, but 
Uh, it, it's a wonderful venue. Those of you who know, there's Joe's on Weed Street downtown Chicago, and there's Joe's live in Rosemont. We're using the one at Joe's on Weed Street. The owner, whose name is Ed Warm, has always been an incredible partner to uh, not only the police and the fire and the, and the military, but also to members of the disabled community. He's always been there to support. So we couldn't find a, a better place to do it. It's going to be at Joe's on Weed Street, October 16th, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. There's going to be DJs. There's going to be bands. There's going to be food. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And it's a, it's a hard $50 donation. Uh, it's a hard $50 donation in the hopes that we can get, you know, I mean, obviously, wishful thinking, five, six hundred people and, and raise that money that 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 we need to, to help get him, you know, uh, in, into a van. And again, uh, we are not only open to the money, but we're welcome to suggestions. You know, we did get a phone call from a local dealership and said, you know, send me what you're looking for. Let me see what I can find. We did get phone calls from people that said, hey, put me down for a thousand, put me down for 500. A woman called and said, hey, I can't give no money, but I'd be happy to walk through the Northwest side and put posters up. Beautiful. We'll take a donation, a bourbon bottle donation so we can auction it off. We don't know. We, we, we hope to raise the money in any way that we can, but we also help to hope to you know, raise awareness. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's the three or four minute spiel on Friends for Fredo, the big event, October 16th at Joe's, you know, so. And uh, did, did, I can't recall, did you just give a website? Did you give an email? Yeah. So the email address, uh, it's best to give the email address, friendsoffredo uh, at gmail.com, friendsoffredo at gmail.com, or if they want, they can certainly call me at 773-895-8978. Let me just repeat that phone number, 773-895-8978. And again, the email, friendsoffredo, F-R-E-D-O, at gmail.com. And again, you know, we're looking for support, obviously. We're looking for for uh, any resources at all to help make this dream come through for this family. Got a great family. Like I said before, I've known Freddie. I call him Freddie. That's what uh, I know. You, you you knew him as a young man. Uh, he was already grown up, so you call him Fredo. Uh, Actually, I, ben, I call him Big Frey. <laughs> That's how big that guy is. Big no, he's a big fella. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, I'm going to just tell you. Freddie's not going to like this story. I don't care. Uh, so he was a big fella when he was in like junior high and so his dad and i played basketball like every friday night at the logan square y in the 80s and let me tell you something i'm just going to share this with you mike i'm on a tangent within a tangent and i hope alfredo senior is listening to this mike the biggest cheater in the world when it came to keeping score Wilfredo cruz oh my goodness the, no the, matter what the score is his team's always ahead yeah, and then he give it like you go. That's not the score. He go, hey, you don't like it? You keep score. And so I'm just telling. You, Fredo Cruz, distinguished writer, great professor, knows a lot about Puerto Rican history in the city of Chicago. Brilliant yeah. man, can argue politics all day and all night. But oh my goodness, you didn't want to hire him as an accountant, or you'll probably end up in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking about the dad. No, oh, not baby. Oh, oh. No, I'm talking about Daddy Cruz, okay? Daddy Cruz. Oh, Alfredo oh, Senior. Is... Let's get it straight. Not the yeah. police officer Marine. <laughs> Daddy oh, Cruz. God. Oh, oh my funny. Lord. I, I'm going to invite him to come on the show for equal time. Let's see this lame excuse and defense he'll come up with, Mike. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, so the score will be three to two. All of a sudden, he'll score a basket. It'll be three to two. We're winning. He'll be winning five to two. I'm like, what? How, how did that happen? Yeah. And then he'd be like, hey, you don't like it? You keep score. Anyway, Freddie would be there. He would tag along to these basketball games. He's about 12 years old, 13. Yeah. Yeah. This kid was huge. He was so tall. He was a big kid. Yeah, I saw pictures, and he was a big kid. And, you know, as big as he is, it's as big as his heart is. Super nice guy. And uh, and I, I got to tell you something. I, I've loved him uh, since I met him because his heart is big, and he comes from a good, solid family, and he's just a good guy, you know? 
Well, I'll tell you what. When we're done raising money uh, to uh, get Fredo, uh, Freddy, uh, his van, which he dearly needs, uh, and I will definitely be contr- contributing to that. But let's do another fundraiser to get a calculator for the daddy. <laughs> Can we do a fundraiser like a calculator for Wilfredo Senior? Yeah. You know what I mean to help him keep help him with the basic math. Yeah. Anyway, a little shout out there uh, to the Cruz family, old friends of mine. Uh, Mike, so I got you here. I'm looking at you, comedian, <clears throat> been in the business a long time, uh, do regular sets, and I just thought I'd ask you this question. I'm obsessive list. Uh, keeper i've been keeping lists my entire life all kinds of lists and all things politics sports i'm really into sports uh you know and uh one of the things i keep a list on is uh, comedians uh, i love comedy i uh, follow at least two dozen comedians on instagram always sending out bits to different people uh in your humble opinion the three greatest comedians of all time go oh man lenny bruce george carlin uh, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin. I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I mean, I've been, so let me just tell you something. First of all, you know, I, I, I very rarely call myself a comedian. I call myself the host of the Mikey O show because I've had the pleasure for 20 years of having all kinds of people on my stage. And sometimes I, you know, I, um, I will get some comics that'll say to me, yo, who's your favorite comedian? And I take it, and I'm 56 years old, so I can take it way far back. You know, I'm talking about, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, Red Skelton and uh, and Milton Berle and those, you know, uh, Tim Conway, you know, uh, Don Rickles, and then and then further in, we're going in with uh, Carlin, Lenny Bruce. I said that already. I think. Uh, you know, Flip Wilson, my God, you know, uh, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Freddie Prince is the reason I got into this business because of Freddie Prince. And my sister Lydia, for those of you who know Chicago well, went to see Freddie Prince um, at uh, Holiday Inn here, the, the nightclub, uh, Mr. Rick's. Mm-hmm. Rick's Cafe, was it? or No, Rick's Cafe. And um, at the Holiday Inn here, 600 North Lakeshore Drive, and then came home with his album. And I remember listening to that album, and I just listened to it over and over and over. 13 years old, it was then that I was like, yo, I'm a huge fan of comedy. And the fact that I'm listening to a guy that's Puerto Rican doing comedy, telling stories about us, was magical. But I would say right now, at this moment, living alive and kicking and well, I'm going to go with Tom Papa. I'm going to go with uh, with J.B. Smooth and I'm going to go with um, with uh, Bill Burr. Wow. Those are my top. Big, big, big Bill Burr fan. Big uh, Bill Burr fan. Big Bill <laughs> Burr fan. I saw Bill, you know, what I've seen Bill Burr do, unless you sat in an audience, a Bill Burr audience, uh, you won't you won't really be able to connect with this but when i saw bill burr the first time three thousand people at the chicago theater yeah and i saw black white puerto rican asian indian everybody was there yeah everybody was there and this multiple this just this just melting pot of humans and he basically was talking about us and we were loving it and he was talking about those are the races, but imagine the different types of people. He was talking about the intelligent, the dumb, the Republicans, the Democrat. Everybody got it. And it yeah. was done so well. His writing is so good that, you know, he took you to a story, you know. And um, for those of you listening, when you get a moment, look up, look up, look up, look up the story. Uh, one of his bits about when he when he had to give his dog away. And tell me if that isn't us. That is us, right? Yes. He gives his dog away. He's bitter. He's mad about it. He, he he doesn't let the anger go. Lady bumps into the grocery store. He chews her out. That's all of us. We're yes. usually chewing people out about something that happened a year ago. We're not mad about now, right? Our kids piss us off today. A week later, what do we do? We snap at some guy in traffic. Why? Because our kid pissed us off today. So yes. anyway, brilliant writing. Uh, you know, he, he, he very funny man. I urge everybody also to check. I've seen that bit. Also check out his bit, a pound a pound. One of the funniest things, and also one of them, in my humble opinion, Mike, most insightful things and bold. 
his takedown of Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, from Apple, who, when he died, it was right after Jobs died. And people were, I, this kind of blew me away, Mike, because I'm not, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not into tech at all. I mean, I have a phone. State Exhibit A, Mike, yeah. I am showing Mike my phone. Uh, listeners cannot see the phone, but this is proof that, Mike, I have a phone. And, by the way, Mike, State Exhibit A, yeah. it's an Apple phone, okay? Yeah, so yeah. What, <laughs> but I really don't know much about it. I just use it. Anyway, but Steve Jobs, of course, the, the innovator, uh, created Apple, made a fortune of it. Uh, he just died, and, and there were uh, people who didn't know him. It was like when Queen died. I didn't understand this either, Mike. Yeah. Uh, you may have been one of these people who were mourning the Queen. I didn't get it. We don't live in a monarchy. We live in a democracy. Why are we mourning the Queen of England? I don't understand. It was the same thing with Steve Jobs. I, people, like, I, I don't know if you were in Chicago at the time, but like people would gather outside of Apple stores, and they were like lighting candles. I mean, you don't even know this guy. Yeah. And so uh, Bill Burr did a a bit on him right afterwards. So it was like, oh, too soon. That's how he does it. Too soon. I mean, am I too soon? That's that's my yeah. burr imitation. And uh, uh, have you ever seen it? It's a total takedown of Steve Jobs. Yeah, I have seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's a brilliant bit. And it's the truth. I mean, look at the, you know, there's a there's a meme going around right now. They ask, uh, they ask uh, Stanley Tucci, hey, listen, uh, what did you do today? Did you spend a lot of time um, you know, did you spend a lot of time today, uh, you know, mourning the queen? I think it's Stanley Tucci. And he says, no, I was watching what's happening in Puerto Rico. It's a little more important right now. And I thought that was a great response. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a hurricane going on. We're mourning a late. I mean, again, I don't, uh, I, 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 yeah, I didn't spend two minutes on the queen. God bless the queen. God bless the king. I guess that's what you're supposed to say, but to be honest with you. You know, uh, no, I don't have a list of kings and queens from around the world that I got to mourn. They haven't given me that list. All right. So, Mike, you have to help some of our younger listeners out. Freddie Prince, I know that you're going to be really stunned that a lot of probably a lot of people do not know who Freddie Prince is. I know who Freddie Prince is because I'm even older than you. Uh, Just think about that for a moment, Mike. I am older than you. And uh, I remember his TV show, Chico and the Man. Chico and the Man. Uh, For 10 trivia points, Mike, let's see if Mike can pull this off. Who sang the theme song to Chico and the Man? Uh, Jose Feliciano. Excellent. That man is trivia points, okay? Uh, I will not sing the song, but I love that song very much. Uh, All right. Uh, So talk a little bit about Freddie Prince. Go ahead. All right. So let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, or let me just say a couple of things. Freddie Prince. Well, let, let me ask you this. Do you remember watching Johnny Carson? Do you, you remember serious, when Johnny Mike? would call a comedian to the couch? Yes, it's a big why, deal. <laughs> why do we? Why? Why did? Why did he do that? Well, if a comedian, okay. You, now you're, you asked me, that's an open-ended question. You should probably give the answer you want because I could go on five minutes why he did it. No. But if the comedian did a, what, he, what Johnny thought was a great job, he would have that. So when comedians would come on, it would be a big deal. Most of them were unknown to the larger American public. They would perform on The Tonight Show, uh, and uh, the great majority of them, then their bit would be over. They would leave. If Johnny Carson really liked the comedian and thought they were funny and, and worthy of even more attention, he would, what, what, what Mike says, invite him to the couch, invite him to sit with him and Ed McMahon, and he would inter, uh, interview him for a little while longer. And then after a while, the comedians, if you remember, Mike, wouldn't even do it a bit. They would just come on and sit down with Johnny. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Rodney Dangerfield, you, I can't believe you didn't put him in your list of great comedians. Well, Rodney Dangerfield is, uh, is, 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 I mean, the king, the king of one hitters. I mean, like I said, if you watch comedy, remember, I grew up, I mean, you know, Hogan's Heroes, I Dream a Genie, uh, Sanford and Son, you know, I mean, I grew up on all of that. And those were all my comedians. You know, I, you know, those aren't acts that I didn't know those guys were comics. I thought they were actors that were funny. Yeah. Right. right. Anyway, so go back to Freddie Prince and Johnny Carson. Go. Well, Freddie Prince and Johnny Carson. Freddie Prince was the first guy that Johnny Carson said, hey, have a seat here. The first? And he had never done that before. And when that happened, it was a brilliant move. To, to quote Johnny Carson, I did not know that. 
Uh, well, Johnny, <laughs> Freddie Prince, the first uh, Latino to perform in the White House, performed for Jimmy Carter in the inauguration, the first Puerto Rican, along with Pedro Casals, who Pablo Casals was, what's he, the violin player? Cello. Cello player. And, um, and um, but Freddie Prince was, you know, was, uh, was uh, you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I, I mentioned one time that Freddie Prince was, you know, my hero on a radio station when I was doing a show in Milwaukee. And two days later, a woman contacted me and said, what's your mailing address? I want to mail you something. And she mailed me all the TV guides that Freddie Prince was on. Remember TV guide? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and she mails me these TV guides. Yeah. She mails me a book that was written by that was written by his mother. Um, and she started sending me all kinds of stuff. And, you know, um, but he was uh, he, he was, you know, he was he was destined to be a, a monster. You know, he was a drummer. I mean, I don't know if you know that or not. He was a drummer. He was not he did not wake up one morning and say, I want to be a comedian. He was an amazing drummer. And uh, but he was funny. And uh, who, who was his best friend? David Brenner. I, I did not know that. Absolutely. I... Best friends. Best friends. And David Brenner was like, uh, you know, tells Johnny, hey, I got this, you know, I got this kid. You know, he's Puerto Rican. And he, you know, he's from the neighborhood and blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you had, you know, and, and, it, and it, it, it launched his career. That was yeah. it. He had no representation and he had no Hollywood business until his debut on Johnny Carson. Wow. That's how good uh, he did. Yeah. That's how good he did. And uh, he died very young. He died very young. He committed suicide. He was on a really, really bad uh, um, pill trip, you know, that he could not shake. And back then you could get, you know, pills, you know, pills were like candy on the streets, you know, so. Back then. <laughs> Back then, you mean nothing's changed on that? Well, well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. But I mean, in other words, the I, I, some people would say from that era, some people would say that was the good stuff, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't be one of those, but I hear you. Uh, so anyway, Freddie Prince is uh, Freddie uh, Prince, yeah. The, the uh, Rick's Cafe downtown, uh, you know, the the uh, the Holiday Inn. I gotta give a shout out to a comedian. Uh, we're on this tangent here. It's not really a tangent. I love talking comedy. Uh, and uh, I'm going to really show my age. Carol Burnett. Absolutely. Carol Burnett was so funny. It's funny. So I heard this bit. I think I heard it on uh, uh, YouTube one. I do. I spent a lot of time like looking at old comic bits on YouTube. Uh, I take these deep dives and then all of a sudden an hour has passed. Like, oh, my God, I got to stop. So I got, was watching some Carol Burnett stuff and she would go out to in front of the audience uh, on every one of her shows. She had a variety hour in the 60s and 70s and she would take questions from the audience. Now, I don't know if this was set up, Mike, if these questions were set up. I've seen com comedians do this like Jay Leno, believe it or not, a young Jay Leno. when he was he was a funny guy. He would take like go in front of an audience, give me a name, give me a name. And then they would call out a name. Like they'd say Freddie Prince and he'd have a one-liner about Freddie Prince. Okay. So Carol Burnett would get up to give me to, and so somebody called up, uh, uh, your, your first kiss. Do you remember your first kiss? And she goes, uh, yes, I remember it. I remember my first kiss. And the, uh, and then, then the follow, it's like a follow-up question. Was it enjoyable? She goes, well, it was with a dog. And I just thought that was so funny, man. You know what I mean? She's like a <laughs> kissing her puppy, you know. But anyway, I, I don't know, maybe open. I, I mean, Carol Burnett. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Saturday Night Live will never have anything on Carol Burnett's show. Oh, because you already mentioned Tim Conway. That that uh, that that improv, that 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 sketch comedy, that they own that. They yeah. they if you watch any of those episodes, you look at that 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 skillful. Nobody's got that. That that was brilliant. You know. Yeah, maybe yeah. the first five years of Saturday Night Live, but not not after that. All right, Mike, uh, one more time before we head out the door, uh, give folks what they need to know about uh, the fundraiser you're throwing for uh, Freddie, my old friend, Freddie, uh, and uh, uh, to get him a van because uh, he has a debil debilitating illness. and he, uh, he needs a van to schlep his kids around just to get it down to the basics. So take it away one more time. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, you know, I'm going to give you this version one more time. Friends of Fredo, Joe's on Weed Street in Chicago. 
October 16th is a Sunday, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Don't worry about your football games. If there's a game, we'll have it on. Uh, and it'll be $50 donation. Again, we're trying to get him a van to get him and his family around. It's uh, it's a uh, 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 a tough situation to watch this guy, you know, a Marine, a Chicago police officer. I know this is going to sound crazy to you, you know, Ben, but I said to the to this alderman um, who immediately responded, which was great. And he said, listen, I'm going to help in any way I can. I'm going to write a check. I'm going to be there. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, because I don't know this, but if there's any police officers listening, maybe you know the answer to this. But there's no way in the world in the city of Chicago, there's just no way in the world in the city of Chicago, we're not confiscating vans from drug dealers. Is there any way that one of those can be thrown back at us? I mean, you know, I mean, I know it's a crazy proposition, but, you know, is there is there a person that got in trouble with the law recently where you took away his 2018, 2019 van that can be put and and re and repurposed for this family? I don't know if that's a possibility. You know, I mean, I do know that in Miami, when you drive around, some of the squad cars will say this Squad car is courtesy of a convicted drug dealer, you know, so I don't know. I mean, uh, anything that we can do, any help. I know that this right now, it's a little bizarre to think about it that way, but any way that anybody can help, we would definitely appreciate it. My number is 773-895-8978. Friends of Fredo at gmail.com. If you want to make a donation, I do want to leave you with this 100% of your $50 is going towards this van. There are no administrative costs. There are no secretaries to pay. There's no ice to buy. This is 100% going into that fund. All right. Uh, Ben, you rock, man. Thank you for this. uh, You're welcome. Uh, And I just want to point out, October 16th, there is no Bears game that day. So uh, if you're from Chicago, there's no Bears game uh, that day. So you you won't miss the Bears. Not the way, well, if their season continues the way it did last week, you might not mind missing the Bears. Yeah. uh, But you won't miss them on October 16th. All right, uh, Mike, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, And you take care, all right? All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Mike Okendo is his name. Uh, And I want to thank him for coming on and doing that. Uh, For Fredo, also want to thank producer Chris for doing that outstanding job uh, teaming up all week with DJ Nate sitting in for Dennis on paternity leave. Can't thank you enough. You've done an outstanding job. So uh, all my listeners out there, I'm going to say this to you. Like I uh, usually say to Chris, uh, Dr. D and DJ Nate, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you next week, everybody. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. Visit chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download all your favorite podcasts.